Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Andrew England, the Middle East editor, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into stories that matter. That's the sound taken from Qasem Soleimani's funeral procession, held yesterday in Tehran. The Iranian military commander and head of the Quds Force was killed on the 3rd of January in a targeted US airstrike at Baghdad airport. The death is expected to have repercussions, not just for Iran and the US, but for the whole of the Middle East and beyond. Najmeh Borzogmeyer, the FT's Tehran correspondent, is on the line to tell us more. Hi, Najmeh. Can we start with what's happened? What prompted the US to launch the strike that killed Soleimani? Early morning on Friday, it seems General Soleimani and for other Iranians as well as some of his Iraqi comrades were going to the airport in Baghdad when their cars were hit by U.S. drone strikes in targeted assassination. The attack was a few days after Iranian-backed Iraqi militias attacked the U.S. embassy in Baghdad and after a U.S. civilian contractor was killed by a rocket attack that uh, the U.S. blamed on Iranian-backed militia. The U.S. considered this as Iran crossing its red lines by posing direct threats to American nationals and U.S. interests in the region. But now Iran also says the U.S. crossed its red line by targeting senior commander of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, who to many Iranians was a national hero because uh, many Iranians believed he kept the country safe from any foreign aggression and managed to establish security in Iran at a time other countries in the region were in flame. People have been concerned for some time that Iraq could become a flashpoint in the escalating tensions between the U.S., and Iran. Can you tell us what Soleimani was doing in Baghdad and what is it that so frustrates the US about Iran's role in Iraq? Soleimani was believed to be traveling quite frequently in the region, in particular to Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, where Iran's proxy forces are. But he had managed to keep very good relations with Iraqis And I can say that today Iraq is more essential to Iran than any other neighbor because of the U.S. sanctions, which have exerted huge limitations on Iran on banking transactions and exports. So Iran exports around $10 billion worth of goods to Iraq annually, which is essential to the survival of Iran's economy under the U.S. sanctions. But also, like the Iraqi militias, who are Shias, are extremely crucial for Iran in its regional policies to stand against the U.S., to curb the influence of regional rivals. So for General Soleimani, it was essential to frequently go to Iraq, Syria and Lebanon to keep these forces together and um, carry out Iran's regional ambitions, which are curbing the influence of the US, Israel and regional rivals. Of course, the US would say that General Soleimani actually supported, backed, mobilised militias, whether in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Yemen, which are destabilising the region. And the Trump administration has accused Soleimani of causing hundreds of American deaths. 
But that's been long known that Iran does sponsor militias across the Middle East. How did we get to this? Where do we trace the start of this escalation back to? I mean, does it go back to Donald Trump's decision to unilaterally withdraw the US from the nuclear deal that Iran signed with world powers in 2018? The start of the escalation of tensions, the latest tensions, goes back to 2018. When President Donald Trump decided to pull the U.S. out of the nuclear accord that it had signed with Iran and reimpose sanctions, obviously Iran suffered from the consequences of sanctions a lot. And after that, Iran tried to use its leverage in the region to keep its power. Some analysts believe that one day will come that Iran and U.S. sit at the negotiating table. And on that day, Iran needs to have bargaining chips. Mr. Soleimani was in charge of that side of Iran's leverage to keep all the proxy forces powerful and to put the U.S. under pressure. But there was always this belief that there were some unspoken rules between the two sides, like Iran and U.S. do not hit each other directly. It was proxy forces against U.S. allies in the region, like Arab states. This time, it seemed that kind of managed crisis got out of control, whether it was first Iran's miscalculation in militia's attack on the U.S. embassy and killing of the U.S. contractor. But what we can say is that if Iran had miscalculation, it never expected to have such a harsh response from the U.S. So what Iran says now that the U.S. crossed Iran's red line and violated the rules of the game, which when, of course, never spoken. Since his death, we've heard Iranian leaders vow revenge from his replacement within the Quds Force to Ayatollah Ali Khomeini, the supreme leader. How do we expect Tehran to respond now after a strike that really did hit at the heart of the Islamic regime? The way Iran has responded is to pull back from its commitments under the nuclear deal. Iran also vows that it will do its best to make the U.S. withdraw its troops from the Middle East. The Islamic Republic is in a very difficult situation to to keep that balance of responding to public demands for revenge, as it has promised, as the Supreme Leader has promised, and not going to a war, which uh, is something that Iranians obviously don't want, because this is a country at the end of the day that fought the war with Iraq in the 1980s, and hundreds of thousands of people were killed on both sides in that war. Certainly, Iranians don't want that to happen again. Can Soleimani be replaced? I mean, if he was alive, he'd be the one coordinating any response to an action like this. Was he irreplaceable? Or is there the institutional capacity within the Revolutionary Guards and the Quds Force to just promote his deputy, as Tehran has done, and for things to carry on as normal? Yes and no. 
he can be replaced because the Revolutionary Guards, it's maybe the most powerful institution in Iran in terms of the rankings, the money they have, and all the forces they have trained inside Iran and throughout the region. So it's not a one-man show. But at the same time, Soleimani was a very unique character in that establishment in terms of his charisma, his characteristics like being described as a pious man down to earth, a nationalist. And in terms of corruption, you know that Revolutionary Guards members are accused by people of huge corruption. He was clean in people's eyes and respected. And in domestic politics, he never intervened. He took a distance and in a few cases when he intervened, he sided with people. When there was this crackdown on women and hijab, he came out and said, we should not be tough on women, they are the children of our society and we should not resort to suppression on obligatory hijab. So uh, no other member of the Revolutionary Guards has been respected so much. For the first time, they think in Iran's history, there was a commander who was bringing security and stability to this country, who was feared by the enemies, and who never bothered Iranians at home. So his loss is a massive loss, and in that respect, he may be irreplaceable. Najma, you mentioned the nuclear accord and that Iran announced on Sunday that it would no longer abide by any of the enrichment commitments in the 2015 agreement. Now, we know that Tehran has been steadily increasing its nuclear activity since May last year in response to Donald Trump's decision to pull out of the accord. How serious is this step? And should we see it as a response to Soleimani's killing or is it just another step in the process? And is the deal effectively dead now? I would consider that as Iran's response to Soleimani's death. Maybe Iran wouldn't have gone this far if Soleimani was not killed. But there was no other choice, I think, for the Islamic Republic to have a strong response to the killing. Yes, I would say the nuclear deal is effectively killed, even though officially it's still there and um, all members can go back to it if one day the U.S. decides to lift sanctions and revive the deal. But for now, it's basically in practice non-existent. And finally, just to end, what impact will Soleimani's killing have on the domestic dynamics. Obviously, the regime is under intense pressure because of the economic sanctions. We saw massive protests, which became quite violent towards the end of last year. And we've got parliamentary elections coming up in February. So will this have an impact on the local politics, You know, the balance between regime hardliners, regime reformers, and just generally how Iranians respond to the regime. So pro-reform forces were already in a weak position versus hardliners. 
in terms of the failure of the nuclear deal, which uh, was signed by reformists. Now, hardline forces are trying to capitalize on the public mood on Soleimani's death to further undermine reformists who they accuse of treason or naivety in signing a deal with the US, which now has killed Iran's most senior commander. So there is this power struggle going on and we can see like the tense atmosphere, but it's also very difficult for hardliners to claim Soleimani was their man because he was such a national figure that it's not easy for them to confiscate him. But the way things go, it seems hardliners are set to win the next parliamentary election, which is going to be in February, and they hope that they use that for their victory in presidential election. Thank you very much, Najme. That's very interesting, and we're all watching to see just how Iran will respond. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our latest episodes on Carlos Ghosn's escape, the year business went woke, and what two books reveal about the Trump administration, you can subscribe and listen on all the usual podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this episode of FT News in Focus, rate us or leave a comment on your podcast provider. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.